Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. My name is Chris. And I'm Gary. And welcome to our first Halloween episode for 2022. Halloween classics. Halloween yeah. classics. Um, so anyone unfamiliar? Hopefully you're not, because we've got some from last year. But uh, anyone? Wow, from two years ago. I mean, last year was a Halloween franchise, wasn't it? Oh, of course. Oh, and they certainly weren't classics. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You're probably well, the first one. Um, well, but yeah. So essentially, we tend to go towards the trashier side of cinema on a general basis. But for the month of October, Halloween month, we decide to look at some absolute classics of the horror genre. This week. And also, uh, our first Japanese film, Yeah, it's Onibaba from yes. 1964. Um, do you have a history with this film? Uh, nope. And I'll be honest, when you first mentioned it, I did think, because we'd seen it before, I wasn't the biggest fan. I, yeah, it just didn't click with me. Um, and I did think the Halloween classics, Onibaba, is, is Chris okay? Um, but after watching it, you bold faced liar, you said all great choices, Chris. <laughs> and yeah, but I didn't say which ones. The... And but then after watching it, I can see it, it definitely has those Halloween vibes about it. Yeah, um, it, it has that underlying feeling that it feels right to watch it this time of year. Uh, and and yes, my opinion massively changed this time around. Yeah, I when we first watched it. I loved it. I thought it, I thought it was great. You, you not so much, and I understood where you were coming from. You, you didn't hate it, but no. it wasn't. You weren't quite where a lot of other people were, and I fully understood that because I wasn't quite there. I really enjoyed it. Thought it was fantastic, but the images in this film really stayed with me. Yeah, and when I thought about Halloween classics. And that kind of style of horror film that mm -hmm. I interpret as a Halloween classic, which is different to some of the horror classics, um, the image from this film and that mask, mm. which we will discuss, really stuck with me. And I thought, do you know what? That is a, the kind of perfect Halloween image. Yeah. And, you know, I thought... That this would make a great episode for Halloween. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully it will. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we just started, so we'll see how it goes. Do you have the <laughs> uh, the translation for what Onibaba means? Um, yes. Demon hag. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pretty self-explanatory for the rest of the film. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, a little, a little background on what Onibaba is. So it's a film derived from a Buddhist folklore. Yeah. And the folklore surrounding Alibaba, the demon hag, or in some cases known as the demon woman, as there's some variants I've seen online of the folklore itself. But it's essentially about, really, kind of a bitter old lady yeah. um, who is bitter towards her daughter or daughter-in-law um, because she's praying too much to Buddha mm -hmm. and she's neglecting her household chores. So she uses this mask to scare her daughter um, to prevent her from going 
to pray yeah. and staying at home and completing her chores. And she's punished by Buddha for this. And it, there's different variants on that. And the film itself is a variant on that kind of premise. But it, it's very much steeped in folklore uh, of the, you know, uh, Buddhist folklore. Um, yeah. Yeah, set at a really interesting time as well. Mm. Um, you know, taking place at a brief time after the uh, Battle of Minatagoara. If I said that right. Um, yeah, which I think is some of the story. I don't think this, the film itself, is specific about which war. Because there, it was during a period of time, I think, in Japanese history mm. where... There were lots of yeah, wars going historically, on. Historically, the, the the folklore is set the folklore, at, at yeah. that time. Yeah, um, and it's it's made by a master of cinema, uh, one one of the greatest directors of all time. And I mean, I'm saying that from only seeing like two of his films, but those two films have been flawless masterpieces. Um, it's of course written and directed by Kanato Shindo, who made Current Echo. Which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, um, great film. His career went on for ages, though. He, he also directed Postcard, Teacher and Free Children, Fakuro, Sanman Yakusha, uh, Ikatai, Last Note, Lost Sex, The Iron Crown. It, it goes on and on. He directed so much. Yeah, probably, I think his most renowned film is The Naked Island, mm. which was released just, just before this this one i think i think it was the film before this one or or very he was very prolific though we, we're looking yeah. at you know maybe a hundred films maybe mm -hmm. more um very much like takashi Miike, mm -hmm. who prolific just film after film after film after yeah. film and it's also part of the uh jedi geki genre uh, which is translated to period drama in japan yeah, yeah, a lot. I mean, we've watched a lot of Japanese cinema recently. Um, well, I say recently, for the last few years, you know, since we've known each other. But with the, a lot of the older films, particularly around this time in the 60s, um, 50s, a lot of them are set during this time period, mm -hmm. this sort of feudal time period. Yeah. You, you don't... I'm trying to think of, like, really... Like modern films, I suppose it would be stuff like, um, what's it, Akira Kurosawa film? Um, oh my god, Seven Samurai? No, 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 more modern. Is it dogs? Um, dogs? Oh my god, how embarrassing! You know oh, what well, I mean? I do because you one of I mean. the <laughs> cast members was in the film, um, Doraskadin. That was a little later, yeah, yeah, um. It was also refused a certificate in England by the BBFC in 1965, but resubmitted in 1968, where it was approved with an X classification uh, with some cuts. Now, this is interesting. And the fact that it's a horror film in general is interesting because, you know, as I mentioned, with it being a Jedi Geki uh, film, it's it kind of tricks you into thinking it is just going to be this period drama. Mm. Um in the same sort of way, for more accessible references, um, for lack of a better term, From Dust Till Dawn, Overlord, you know, these sort of films where characters are in certain situations. I mean, even Psycho. Even Psycho. Psycho is 
a really great um, comparison where you kind of set up with one specific genre when the film starts. These characters are in a situation, you get to know them, then all of a sudden the horror elements come out of nowhere. Um, and that's I think that's very much the case with this one. I mean, I've grown to know it as situational horror, I like to call it, because it is, you you know, you just get a random situation out of nowhere and these characters are thrown into a horror film. Um, I, I definitely think that's the case here. Um, I would say to a certain degree. Because it definitely doesn't start off as a horror film. No. Which is the whole thing of what I'm trying to... It's Yeah, so it's it's a slow build, but there are... Your typical horror elements don't really happen until the end. Yeah, that's what I mean. Of the yeah. film. Yeah. But there are moments of horror moving up to that. Mm. Um, a particular kind of horror, which we'll get into, you know, when we discuss the film. But yeah, absolutely. Um, the images that stayed with me are those horror images at yeah. the end. So some may say that actually it's not for the most part, even a horror mm -hmm. film. Um, I disagree, which is why I chose it for Halloween classics. Yeah. Um, but, but there is a case for that. Yeah. Uh, did you get the budget or how much it made? I didn't know. No, I couldn't no, find I it can, anywhere. I couldn't find no. it. No. Well, in that case, it's time to move on to... Hey, I know you. I was hoping you would have learned that in Japanese. Uh, yeah, I should have. I should have. I do apologise. <laughs> we have another Japanese film at the end of the month. You have three weeks to learn it. Yes, I'm sure I can. Um, yeah, so this is typically when we do our Hey, I Know You section. It tends to be um, in an episode of Murder, She Wrote or <laughs> more recently, everyone seems to have been in Sex in the City. True. That's certainly not the case for this film. Um we have the astonishing uh, Nobuko Ottawa. I've, I've, yep. Please forgive us for any mispronunciations. Um, she plays Kichi's mother. Mm -hmm. She was the wife of the director, Kanto Shindo, and uh, starred in many of his films, including Kuroniko and The Naked Island. Yeah, uh, also in The Strange Tale of the Yuki, uh, Epitome. Sandman, Yakusha, A Last Note, Sensitive Samurai, 24 Eyes, Jikin, and so much more. Yeah, um, much like her husband, very prolific yeah, in films. Yeah, I find that with everybody in this cast, you know, they've all been in quite a lot. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm assuming she was in a lot of his films as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't go through every single IMDb film. She, she is Sherry Moon Zombie. She, she, Japanese the, the, 60s cinema. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Alright. Uh, we have Jitsuko Yoshimura as Kichi's wife. Um, she's a little less prolific than uh, Ottawa, but uh, she did work with some major Japanese directors, mm. such as uh, Shohai Imamura and Akira Kurosawa. Yeah, yeah, Breadline and Dolaskadin. Uh, we watched her in Cleopatra. Question, do you remember anything about Cleopatra? I remember absolutely nothing about <laughs> Cleopatra. The, I remember the we weren't... Yeah, film. it wasn't great. I remember that. I um, I think it may be... You know, if anyone's like us and they watch a lot of films and sometimes they try to fit in a film at a time when probably best not to. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking late night viewing. I've just bought this Blu-ray. Let's watch. 
um, let's fight to stay awake. I think it may have been a case of that, so it may need a rewatch. That, and I think the, the more you watch, the more you can learn to appreciate something. Like, I think a big part in my appreciation of this now is that we've watched a lot of historical Japanese films, yeah. and I've really grown to like that setting. Um, period dramas as a whole, I'm ne it's never my go-to. Like, even with, uh, you know, English language films, it's just never, you know... I, I, I mean, a few of my favourite films are period dramas, but I would never go directly to one to watch. Um, but there's just something really fascinating about that, that sort of time in Japanese history where all these films seem to be set from all these different angles as well. I mean, if you look at something like this compared to... Uh, you know anything that Kurosawa made from around that sort of period completely different yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah we we say that horror opens itself up to um many themes um I think you know samurai films do yeah. that as well yeah you know because we've watched a lot of samurai films and each of them has you know been fantastic for very different reasons mm -hmm. yeah um just we we really huge I'm, I'm surprised it's taken us so long to cover a japanese film I yeah i suppose the japanese films that we watch i don't suppose you would i don't know when you think horror culture trash ever who the fuck thinks oh you wouldn't really prestige Sauer, yeah i mean film. these are prestigious films well we may have a, uh, a, a whole month coming up dedicated to it soon. <laughs> uh, you heard it here first. So, uh, yeah. And that isn't just dedicated to good films. So that could be interesting. That's, that could be interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, she was also in The Insect Woman, Sadako, which is one of the later Ring films. I, I believe the Straight to Shudder ones. Um, Gorotsuki, uh, Terror in Tokyo, An Innocent Witch. So I think uh, she was in a few more horror films. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kai Sato. Yeah. As Hachi. Also starred in uh, Kuroniko. And many others, including three of my all-time favourite films. Uh, the Human Condition Part 2. Kwaidan, which we've mentioned on the podcast before. And Harakiri. Yeah. Uh, Harakiri is literally in my top five films of all time yeah yeah Amazing. he's definitely got the most impressive career out of everybody yeah um he's also in godzilla 1985 as well which we haven't seen yet no we haven't um and i have uh tai toniyama who plays yushi he was in human condition part one ah uh, Neko, uh vengeance is mine in the realm of the senses human bamboo doll of ikisin uh drunken angel wow Wow, it's very small cast in this film. Yeah. It, very small cast. Are we ready for our feature presentation? TV spot for this one we usually have a bit of dialogue in there um, but I could not find anything at all so you would have just heard the score and the score is 
out of this world. It's uh, oh, you're welcome for just hearing the score. Yeah, it's by Shindo's uh, long-term collaborator Hikaru Hayashi, uh, and it just it just consists of taiko drumming combined with jazz. It's really simple, but it's so effective. And I think when you mentioned that there's certain parts of horror leading up to the horror elements later on, a lot of that is because of the score. Yeah, it's it's really atmospheric. Yeah, there's three elements to the film that I think make it Halloween classic. It's the cinematography mm -hmm. throughout, particularly at the end, but yeah. throughout. Fantastic imagery. That soundtrack. Yeah. Fan fantastic. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. And also the fact that it's in black and white. Yeah. It's... I suppose, you know... We we there's plenty of films where we would we could say you know this would not work in color, but this is this is definitely, definitely a film yeah. would not work in color. Yeah, the light and shadow on display would not work in exactly. a color film. And I it think the wouldn't. limited uh, location choices as well it makes mm -hmm. it feel very isolated. Yeah, even though where they are is is part of a massive field, it still feels like. A very secluded place yeah yeah and there's one real reason for that yeah, yeah visually um and the film deals with it straight away so the credits roll as the uh, extremely tall grass mm. goes wild in the wind yeah the jazz soundtrack is loud and erratic um the grass is wild and untamed uh, much like the characters that we're about to meet um but it's this tall grass Mm -hmm. um that isolates our characters yeah um they can't see no one can see them so they're very much isolated from society mm -hmm. um the film as you've said is set somewhere in japan in the mid 14th century during a period of civil war two fleeing soldiers are ambushed in a large field of tall thick reeds grass or, or reeds and they're murdered by an older woman, Kichi's mother, and her young daughter-in-law, Kichi's wife. I think it's interesting that the two women don't get names. Yeah. Yet, Kichi, mm -hmm. who we never see, and who is dead, mm -hmm. gets a name. Yeah. Um, I think that's very interesting. And I think the idea that these two women are only named within their relationship to a man mm. because i think this is definitely a film that deals with women and a woman's place in society yeah make no mistake this is a feminist film yeah um, absolutely yeah um the director was quite a well-known leftist mm. um so i think it's definitely a feminist film definitely yeah. the fact that we have two women leading this film uh and you know what they do on a regular basis is murder soldiers and you know loot them is i think that says something in itself especially means you know the 60s female representation wasn't exactly on top form but here we have two strong women who are getting by on their own yeah they're both attached to a man but a man's dead um but they're getting by on their own and showing strength that really you'd only see from a man around this time yeah yeah well the, we we meet the two women as they loot the dead 
bodies of the soldiers, stripped them of their armour and weapons and dropped the bodies in a deep pit hidden in the field. Yeah. Um, soundtrack very quiet during this. Mm-hmm. The camera lingers on the shot of the uh, two bodies being stripped of their possessions. But this is quite a horror image to begin yeah. with. Yeah. You know, it's two dead soldiers. The two women are emotionless. They're silent. Mm-hmm. Um, almost heartless in their nonchalance, I thought. Yeah. Um, it's evident that these aren't the women's first victims. Um, they've killed to survive for quite some time and any potential misgivings have long gone. So you don't get that moment that you get in a lot of films where somebody who kills to survive their first kill. I'm thinking mainly vampire films. Yeah. Um, their first killer, oh, oh, I don't know, oh, oh, can I do this, oh, oh. This, we're right in there yeah. from the get-go. It may have happened. Their first kill may have been, you know, more um, guilt-ridden. Mm-hmm. But here, it's not. No. They're old pros. They know what they're doing. Um, the soundtrack kicks in again. As these two soldiers are thrown down the pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, loud, overwhelming. Um, so yeah, very uh, horror image yeah. to begin with. Not the kind of horror you get at the end, but it's, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah, it's. I don't know what it says about me that I was just like, yes, girls get it as soon as this happened. But and... that's, yeah, I mean, that's the idea. So... It, I mean, this is wartime. Mm. What's the difference between these two women yeah. killing mm-hmm. to survive? How is that different to soldiers yeah. on the battlefield killing to survive? Mm-hmm. You know, why are we so shocked at these two women murdering mm. and not shocked in, you know, the samurai films of the time? Mm set around the same period of, you know, horseback riding samurais slaying everyone in sight. Yeah. Like what What is the difference in wartime? Mm-hmm. You know? And that's what the film deals with. Yeah. And the horrors of that. Not just the horrors for those in the battle, because we never see the battle. No. We never see that. We're at the tail end now. Mm-hmm. What the film deals with is how it affects these two women. Yeah. Who are just fighting to survive, who are isolated away from society, lawless, you know, uh, uh, what will they do to survive? Mm-hmm. And that that's what the film deals with. And that's where a lot of the horror elements come from. Yeah. Um, the next day, they take the armor and weapons to a merchant named Ushi and trade them for food. The merchant tells them news of the war which is driving people across the country to desperation. As they leave, Ushi makes a sexual proposition to the older woman for an extra bag of millet. She rebuffs him. She, she, yes, she does. She really does. She, uh, the, the dialogue from the old woman is, is amazing. She, she was, he's like, I'll sleep with me then. And she's like, I would never sleep with you, bastard. Like, yes, bitch. It's an interesting one because two, for food, they will murder. Mm-hmm. But she won't sleep with someone that she deems unattractive. Yeah. You know? Now, that doesn't mean she won't sleep with anyone, as we'll see later in the film. 
but at this present time, she won't lower herself for a bag of millets to sleep with the horrendous Ushi, yeah. <laughs> who she perceives to be horrendous. A neighbour named Hachi, who has been at war, returns. The two women ask about uh, Kichi, who was both the older woman's son and the younger woman's husband, and was drafted along with Hachi. Hachi tells them that they deserted the war and that Kichi uh, was later killed when they were caught stealing food from farmers. The older woman warns the younger woman to stay away from Hachi, who she blames for her son's death. Now, one thing about this film, very um, small cast, but each of the characters seems a bit off. Yeah. In some way. It's one of those films where you don't know who is the one that's going to bring the horror by the end of the film mm -hmm. like because they all seem a little weird yeah and Hachi himself is quite erratic mm -hmm. um so you don't know it puts you on edge there's a tension there yeah. which i think works really well for mm -hmm. the horror elements i mean it's a bit like um, and it, this might sound a bit weird, but who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Mm -hmm. Very small cast, but each of the characters isn't quite all there, no. to put it politely. Um, which I think is great, and it works really well to build attention for the film, because it is a slow burn. It's yeah. a slow burn film. Um, when they first meet, Hatchy returns and he's starving, and he starts eating all their rice. And I just love how this scene looks. Mm. That each of the actors is lit br uh, lit brightly from the blow, and the steam from the cooking rice sort of engulfs a lot yeah. of their faces. Uh, Kichi's mother looks particularly creepy, mm -hmm. and she does one thing that um, Kichi's mother has is those sort of grey streaks in her hair. Mm -hmm. A bit like Frankenstein's The Bride Frankenstein Nancy Thompson Nancy Thompson A little bit like Nancy Thompson as well um, But she she looks Tired She looks yeah. fed up She does She's an older woman And I think a lot of it I don't think the actress was as old As they asked her to play mm -hmm. um, But She does She looks Tired mm -hmm. She you knows She's fought for so long to survive and you can kind of see how world-weary she is. Yeah. Um, Hatchie is so proud of killing an enemy soldier whilst he was taking a shit. <laughs> and this is, you know, it begs the question, what's, what's so different to Hatchie killing an enemy soldier whilst he's taking a dump? That, in many ways, is quite comical. Yeah. But again, the women killing to survive... Mm -hmm. Is shocking to us you know what why is that why mm. is there a difference there um yeah it's interesting it it's is an interesting introduction really interesting characters um hatchy begins to show interest in the younger woman and despite being warned to stay away from hatchy she is seduced by him she begins to sneak out every night to run to his hut and have sex the older woman learns of the relationship and is both angry and jealous. She tries to seduce Hatchie herself, but is coldly rebuffed. She then pleads with him to not take her daughter-in-law away, since she cannot kill and rob passing soldiers without her help. Yeah, so going back to the start of all that, um, 
when she catches Hatchie trying to seduce the younger woman, she spends the entire time going around and standing in his way with one tit out. She does. She she informs the young woman that bastards in heat, and she just she is being the biggest cop locker, and it's so amusing to watch. And this is where the camp valley comes in. We never escape camp on this podcast, and there's uh, always a bit of camp. This is this is it. Just that dominance of just standing there for one tit out, just like nah, bitch, it ain't happening. She says, uh, "You see his eyes like a dog sniffing after a bitch." <laughs> and when she pays a visit to him herself, and uh, she just shows up whilst he's sleeping, that like, lazy bastard enjoying his nap. Yeah. <laughs> and then when she tries to seduce him and he's not interested, he's like, "She's like, you fool! I'm not old on the inside." <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a great scene during this as well. And, uh, you know, in my description, I sort of uh, went quite far within the narrative. It's a lot slower than that. Uh, but there's a great scene during all this where the, the three witness uh, two soldiers fight in the river. Mm -hmm. Really quite a deep river by the hurts. Um, without any suggestion whatsoever, Hatchie kills one who was swam over for help. And the two women swim over to the other and drown him. Yeah. And then they steal off of them and to sell on for food. It's interesting that Hatchie needed no... He, he wasn't told of what no. the women were doing. He made assumptions, but just straight away, mm -hmm. you know, a, quite a shocking image yeah. of the guy swimming over for some form of help. Um, seemingly... If they're fighting, they're on two separate sides of the war. Mm -hmm. So one of them must have been on Hatchie's side. Yeah. But they kill both of them with no remorse mm -hmm. whatsoever. Which I thought was really interesting. It, it was. I think there's an interesting allegory to be found here too. Especially when she pleads with him to not take her daughter-in-law away. Um, because it's because of her to why she can carry on killing and robbing the passing soldiers. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, that's an allegory for how women were treated at this time, that if when they get to a certain age, they're no good. It, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't you know, it, they're, they're worth nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so she's clinging on to this younger woman that she, I mean, technically doesn't even need to be going around with because her son's dead now. Um, but she's clinging on to her because while she's with her, she can get further ahead in life and she can still kill and rob these passing soldiers. Yeah. That's how I interpreted it. Yeah. And and also the idea is that, you know, with her son dead and her daughter-in-law leaving, if she does leave, mm -hmm. what is her life worth? Yeah. What What is she there for? She's fought so hard to survive. In the mm -hmm. hopes that her son will return. Yeah. And give her life meaning. Yeah. That knowing that he won't return, what does her life mean? Yeah. Because she's so isolated from society. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, done some terrible things to survive. Mm -hmm. What does it all mean? Yeah. What is it all for? If she has no reason to exist, mm -hmm. even, you know, trying to choose a sexual partner in Hatchie and, you know, refusing the advances of the, you know, the merchant. Mm -hmm. If she can't get a man, 
because her husband's seemingly dead, then what does she have? She doesn't have anything at all. No. So her actions for the rest of the film are based on desperation mm-hmm. rather than malice. That's how I interpret yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. It's uh, something else you mentioned uh, yesterday as well. It, that's really interesting. Is that this actually, as it goes on? I know I'm skipping ahead a bit, but whilst we're talking about the old woman, mm. uh, spoiler alert. It's not going to be long to discuss it anyway. <laughs> this is exploitation. Yeah. This this is this this fall into the exploitation uh, subgenre, which is interesting because it's not often discussed within that subgenre. No, no. Um, I mean. What does Only Barbar stand for? Mm, Demon yeah. hag. You know, this is hag exploitation. Absolutely, I, I fully believe that. Because a lot of hag exploitation deals with the horrors of women aging. Yeah. And that's why a lot of them starred women who were once perceived as young, beautiful startlet, mm-hmm. uh, starlets. And unlike their male counterparts, they weren't allowed to age. No. So when they did, it was truly horrific. Yeah. And the horrors that came from that, you know, many a exploitation film dealt with former stars not being able to deal with the aging process, not being able to deal with their lives, mm-hmm. not having meaning. Yeah. So this is absolutely exploitation. I, yeah. I fully believe that. And it, it gives it a real interesting edge. Mm-hmm. You know, and because of how the director deals with it, the hag in this case is probably, in my eyes, and, you know, like I say, with any, you know, great film, it's open to interpretations. Mm-hmm. In my eyes, probably the most sympathetic character yeah by the end of the film yeah absolutely um kichi's mother as you said feigns repulsion at hachi but when he sees her with one breast exposed she makes no effort to hide it mm-hmm. <laughs> um one thing i noticed is the grass is even creepier at night yeah like the grass feels like a character in this film um the way it moves, the way it sways, the way that a lot of the soundtrack sort of matches mm-hmm. the grass, but the way it's lit at night as well, very creepy. Yeah. Because, you know, during the day, the cover is what allows them to survive. Mm-hmm. At night, the cover may be covering something that's out to kill them yeah there's no wildlife in this film but i'm assuming that potentially there's some scary wildlife lurking in the grass Mm. you know or people coming to kill them you know what's to stop people coming in killing them before they have the chance to uh kill them first you know um i also found that the the shagging sessions as i so politely put it in my notes, they're very animalistic, quite rough. It's, and this is something that's sort of mentioned, is that they don't, they don't want to get married. No. They, they want to be friends uh, with benefits. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely wants friends with benefits. He wants friends with benefits. She wants friends, she wants friends with benefits. 
because she still has that connection to her husband. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to necessarily remarry, but it's been a long time and she needs a good scene too. She just needs a bit of dick. She does. That's all she wants. And, that's just, and that, this is a very erotic film and yeah. I think it's why the X rating was in place. Mm -hmm. Because it is very erotic. It's highly sexually charged. You know, it deals with people needing sex mm -hmm. out of wedlock. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm assuming that was an issue in 1964. It's about Hatchie's mother not being able to get some. Yeah. Because it's probably even longer for her, you know, and the, the sex that occurs in the film, you know, it's not sensual. It's not, you know, particularly sexy. It's, <laughs> I fucking need this. Let's yeah. go. It really, mm -hmm. and that that comes across much later in the film as well. But even at this point, where it's very sort of rough, it's mm -hmm. it's people because of war being left to their animal instincts. Yeah, the instinct to survive and the instinct to get their leg over. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Um. Kichi's mother is at one point beside herself with horniness and jealousy that she starts humping a tree in frustration. Um, that That's camp as well. That is camp. A bit, that is it's camp. a bit camp. Um, she then threatens to spear them both in their <laughs> sleep um, if they leave her and she looks like she means it. She does. Um it's an interesting idea, and I know we've, we've talked about it before, but it's an interesting idea that the horrors of isolation breed desperation, mm -hmm. but also extreme horniness for these characters. And it's also really compelling to see, and this sounds a bit condescending, but it's, it, you know, it's kind of how it was at the time. It's compelling to see a skilled actress like uh, Nobuko Otawa fully embracing the grotesque. Yeah. It's not a flattering image of her throughout the film, mm -hmm. even before the mask. It's not flattering. She's lit quite harshly from below. She's made to look like the quintessential hag. Yeah. And it, I know it is quite condescending to say that to an actress. Oh, the actress, oh, she did so well playing ugly. But I mean, that was a sign of the times. You know, actresses were more reluctant to play grotesque yeah. to play ugly which is where exploitation really came from mm -hmm. you know you had previous podcast episode who's um no not who's whatever happened to baby jane excuse me where betty davis fully embraced the grotesque yeah and i think there's some similarities there in how these two mm -hmm. women are predicted uh, are depicted yeah um, which I think is really interesting. Uh, Kichi's, uh, Kichi's mother tells her daughter-in-law all about the terrible fate awaiting sinners in purgatory, especially those accused of sinful lust, which is shocking considering her murderous ways. Mm -hmm. It's quite hypocritical. And yeah. the fact that she's trying to get on that dick as well. Yeah, mm. absolutely. She's only saying it because she wants a piece and she doesn't want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially, she doesn't, she clearly doesn't care about purgatory. She doesn't care about the punishments in the afterlife. 
mm-hmm. because she's a murderess. Yeah. You know, and she's just threatened to murder them both if they mm-hmm. leave her. So why is, you know, why is she condemning, you know, sinful lust? I mean, she has sinful lust in her heart. She was humping a tree not too long ago. Yeah. She's just she's not able to get any. <laughs> uh, one night, while Hachi and the younger woman are together, a lost samurai wearing a Hanya mask forces the older woman to guide him out of the field. He claims to wear the mask to protect his incredibly handsome face from harm. She tricks him into plunging to his death in the pit where the women dispose of their victims. She climbs down and steals the samurai's possessions and, with great difficulty, his mask, revealing the samurai's horribly disfigured face. Fun fact about this mask, uh, which connects this episode to next week's episode, uh, is that it was uh, used in? It actually inspired William Friedkin to use a similar design for the makeup in mm. subliminal shots of the white-faced demon in The Exorcist. Yeah, and it's this mask that is iconic within this uh-huh. film. It's used in all the advertising. It's the image that, for me, makes it a Halloween classic. Yeah, because it is a very striking image. Very creepy mask. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's well used within the film. Yeah, it's very jarring because, obviously, at this point, you're so caught up in the drama between the three of them and, you know, what's going on and what she's going to do next to try and stop this uh, little fling going on. Um, but then this guy just appears out of nowhere with this mask. It's really, really jarring and really effective. Yeah, yeah. And this is where the horror really kicks in. So when she goes down into the pit, to steal from his corpse um there's skeletons everywhere Mm -hmm. all around you know and she's completely unfazed by it but you know it's a it's a horror image her descending to these skeletons takes the mask off his face he's disfigured underneath and um yeah she's quite heartless about it isn't she and when i you know when i say i'm sympathetic to her i understand where she's coming from but she's quite heartless yeah in her sort of she, she, i mean she reads him she reads him to phil for his disfigured face uh-huh. this woman who is so desperate that she's humping a tree mm-hmm. she's essentially turned down to not i'm not saying, suggesting she'd shag a corpse but She's kind of dismissive of two guys that she doesn't find attractive. Yeah. She says something quite interesting, though. She says, um, before killing him, she says, As a reward for showing you the way, show me your handsome face. I've never seen anything really beautiful since the day I was born. Mm. That's quite sad, isn't it? It is, yeah. Really. It's quite sad to think of. Mm -hmm. She's lived her life however old you know i would put her maybe in her 60s she's lived say 60 years without ever feeling like she's seen anything beautiful yeah mainly because of this isolation this you know the grass around her maybe you know she's devoted her life to other things to her son Mm -hmm. or her husband who have both passed on um, but it is, and I think it is a bit of sympathy there for her. Yeah. Because she's she's probably had a really sad existence. Yeah. 
Um, it's definitely there at first, but as it goes on, I kind of think it gets less and less the more extreme she goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, what's interesting to me is, you know, there's so much to say about this, the older woman, but whereas the younger woman goes, I mean, it's not really a lot to be said other than the fact that she just wants some good dick and she just keeps getting interrupted. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose she, she's probably the... I don't know, least interesting of the characters. No, that's, that's, it is an interesting point that she's not so interesting because, you know, again, drawing back to the allegory for the fact that, you know, she's clinging on to this younger character. Well, she's doing that, but for us as the audience, she's the more interesting one, the older character anyway. Yeah. Um, which I, I just thought was really interesting considering what she's fighting for. Yeah, and I think maybe Kichi's wife is a representation of uh, sort of a modern society, mm. more free. I mean, yeah. 64, you're getting towards, you know, hippie culture and more sexually liberated women. Yeah. And she is sexually liberated. Mm -hmm. You know, we have intercut with Kichi's mother descending down the hole. You know, we have that intercut with Hachi and Kichi, Kichi's wife, running naked by the river. Yeah. You know, there's that sort of clear, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out. Distinction, comparison? clear comparison or mm -hmm. distinction between the two. There's a much fancier word I'm thinking of, uh, but there's a clear distinction between the two. Oh, yeah. the, the parallel, there we go. The more liberated youth and the world-weary, war-torn older generation, mm -hmm. um, which is very, very interesting. But, you know, Kichi's wife is probably the least interesting character, but, you know. Um... At night, the younger woman goes to see Hachi. The older woman blocks her path, wearing the samurai's robes and oni mask, frightening the girl into running home. During the day, the older woman further convinces the younger woman that the demon was real, as punishment for her affair with Hachi. The younger woman avoids Hachi during the day, but continues to try and see him at night. During a storm, the older woman again terrifies the younger woman with the mask. But Hachi, tired of being ignored, finds the younger woman and has sex with her in the grass as her mother-in-law watches. The older woman realises that despite all her warnings, her daughter-in-law wants to be with Hachi. Hachi returns to his hut, where he discovers another deserter stealing his food. The deserter abruptly grabs his spear and stabs Hachi, killing him. Yeah, completely random scene, um, which is kind of satisfying for when he took the instinct to randomly kill someone earlier on in the film. It kind of feels like it's coming back on him a bit. Um, yeah, he's just gone. Like this, this guy that this film that these two women have made such a massive deal about the entire film is just gone like that. Yeah, you yeah, know? in a very similar way to how they have killed like you said yeah how they have killed you know the and the idea is that they're deserters from mm. the war yeah. all of them have deserted the war but it's a nameless character who kills him someone we've never seen again someone we haven't someone we haven't seen before this and we won't seen again um 
But it, it kind of feels like it's saying, you know, they've made orders first and he's just another man. Like any of the ones that you have killed before that, he's just another guy. He's no yeah. one special. He's gone. That's it. And also maybe the idea that, you know, Hatchy, we've seen his story mm-hmm. before he's killed. Well, what about the other people's story? Yeah. They mourn for their son slash husband who has been killed. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the wives and mothers of the men that they've killed? Yeah. You know, it, it's it's an interesting idea. And um, I mean, plot wise, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the film is about being punished for your sins. I think it's interesting that all the emphasis from the older woman is on Kichi's wife going to purgatory mm-hmm. for sinful lust and for the affair and not Hachi because he's a man. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's no mention of them both going, you know? Yeah. Um, one interesting thing, um, they literally just start shagging during a full on storm. Yeah. So, this is classic horror. Mm-hmm. Classic horror. A storm occurs. Really fierce storm. Lightning. Incredibly heavy rain. Yeah. Um, the grass is going insane. The soundtrack's going insane. Um, and they've had enough. And they can't wait to get back to the hut. To the dry. And they just full on start shagging during the storm in the grass. Yeah. Again, like I said, really animalistic. Um, most people would be scared to shag in a storm because they might get hit by some lightning. Um, and, you know, I'm sure a few wild animals have shagged during a storm. You know, it, it, that's what I'm thinking. It's very, it, it's instinct. Mm-hmm. And it's the, is it a basic instinct, would you call it? Well, you know, not yeah. like the film, but I mean... Um, that that idea that they, it's people just running on instinct. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting that we get to know as the audience that for the rest of the film, the person behind that mask is the older woman. Yeah. And that it's not played off as some sort of twist, which could they could have easily done. Um, I mean, there's a limited amount of characters, but they could have still done it. Uh, you know, it could have still been that guy. We didn't have to see him die. But what's interesting is that they do this so that we know how far she's willing to go without it being a twist. Like, we, we already know that it's her. And that's, uh, I mean, in any other film that might not have worked as much, but I feel like it does really work here. Yeah, and I think it's important for a main theme of the film because the advertising and the imagery really plays off of the supernatural. Yeah. But it's just not a supernatural film. No. It's a very human film. And mm-hmm. it deals with very human issues. And so it's important that we know that under that facade, it's not a demon. Yeah. It's a human. And it's, you know, in keeping with the themes of the film. Mm-hmm. That sometimes the scariest things are humans. Yeah. Which I fully believe in. (laughs) The older woman discovers that after getting wet in the rain, the mask is impossible to remove. She reveals her scheme to the younger woman and pleads for her to help take off the mask. 
The younger woman agrees to remove the mask after the older woman promises not to interfere with her relationship with Hatchie. Oh no, no, not knowing that he's yeah. dead. After falling, uh, after failing to pull it off, the young woman breaks off the mask with a mallet. Under the mask, the older woman's face is now disfigured, as the samurais had been. The younger woman, thinking her mother-in-law has turned into a demon, flees. The older woman runs after her, crying out that she is a human being, not a demon. The young woman leaps over the pit, and as the older woman leaps after her, the film ends. Really interesting kind of cliffhanger ending. Yeah. Um, she jumps over the pit, but so does um, the mother. And the film stops as she's kind of halfway over. Mm. Seemingly, she'll make it to the other end because she did it earlier with the samurai. You know, that's one of their tricks, you know, so she mm -hmm. can leap over it. Yeah. But really interesting to stop there. Yeah. You know, the only, ultimately only person who's plot-wise punished for their sins is Hachi. Yeah. She, oh, well, I suppose the mother's, you know, punished. Well, yeah. She... By becoming disfigured. The one thing she marked earlier on. The one thing know? she marked earlier on. And, you know, she'll never get a man now. No. In in her eyes, mm -hmm. she'll never get a man now. So maybe that's the worst punishment of all. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real... Uh, it's definitely poetic filmmaking at its finest. Yeah. How the tables turn around on that one. Um, but yeah, it, it is a... I mean, I think it's a great ending. It's just as jarring as the introduction of the horror elements. Uh so abrupt so abrupt but it does leave you questioning exactly what it means the fact that it just ends there what are we meant to think were we meant to think she fell down the pit you know was she, are we meant to think she catches up with her what what's going to become of her when she does catch up with her you know who's is one going to kill the other yeah you know, who, who knows what happens there it's, it's really interesting i don't think they had a sequel in mind no and no. so i I feel like there was some intent behind. I think the intent is for the viewer to take away from it whatever they wanted to yeah. take away from it. The idea is if the film doesn't clearly punish the mother by killing her off, then it's kind of open to our interpretation. Are we sympathetic to her? Mm-hmm because of what's happened to her or are we like yeah she deserved that yeah there's no definite ending for her like so we can interpret it as we wish yeah but like, i could sit here and say i think she was a very sympathetic character she did what she had to do to survive she was an older woman in a society that doesn't necessarily treasure older women and she did what she had to do you know, did she make a mistake? Was it the best way to go about it? No, of course not. But she had a will to survive. And she did that. That's my interpretation. Others could, inter could interpret it as this bitter old bitch got what she deserved. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's... And that's what makes a great film. Is that we can sit here and we can discuss 
how we interpret the film, what the themes are, how the film deals with these themes. And I can't sit here and say, I'm definitely right about everything. And no one else can sit there and say that I'm definitely wrong about everything. You take what you want from the film. Obviously, there are themes that run throughout that are very interesting. And it comes from a politically left place because mm -hmm. the director was politically left leaning. But the ins and outs are all open for interpretation. And what I really, really love about this, and, you know, in a fantastic film, this ending is astonishing. Mm -hmm. It's so beautifully shot. It's horror. This yeah. is the true horror as we know it. It's a crescendo. The film's been building and building and building to this point. Yeah. It's all been building to the moment that that mask comes off of Kichi's mother's face mm -hmm. and her deformed face is revealed. It's a classic moment in horror. Yeah. It's a classic moment in cinema. So astonishing well made. And it it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. That that image of her is is terrifying. And that to me is Halloween, you know, it's not people's limbs flying about, it's not torture porn, it's none of that. What I see is quintessential Halloween cinema is that spookiness, is yeah. that scariness. It's the, the, the fear, it's the tension, you know, and that's what this brings. And that's, you know, it's this moment that I think makes it a perfect Halloween film i think so it is it is a horror masterpiece um and absolutely a halloween classic especially one for the art house crowd um if you uh if you enjoy your more sophisticated well-made films with you know lots to think about then this is absolutely a halloween classic for you yeah it's um, got i just um, if i can just take a moment to just really talk about the themes on display because yeah, yeah. I, I just found them really fascinating so obviously sexuality is really highly erotic for its time. Mm -hmm. um, isolation, the wild untamed nature of the grass, isolates the two women from the rest of humanity, but also allows them to commit their crimes. Yeah. So there's benefits and drawbacks mm -hmm. to being so isolated. The themes of the will to survive, I think I found the most interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you agree. No, I do. Uh, particularly from a female perspective. And the idea is that for a woman to survive mm. without people to look after, mm -hmm. what is it pointless? Is it futile? Like, what is she fighting to live for? Yeah. Uh, particularly as an older woman who society has told who is their their only purpose is to look after other people and never themselves. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's really interesting. Um obviously the horrors of war and particularly the aftermath of war. Um something that's not really seen a lot in cinema, particularly in Japanese cinema at that time. You know, when we talk about those films, the the samurai films, 
you know, even films like um, The Human Condition, mm -hmm. it's a film about war that depicts war. Yeah. Whereas this is a film that's about war that shows no aspects of yeah. war. It shows the aftermath of war and it shows the effect it has on those not physically involved in war. Which is an interesting concept because it's not something you'd think of when you think of a war film. No. You know, you'd never think of the other areas and such. And this definitely highlights that. And like I said, you know, setting it around this time and during a war was really, really an interesting angle to take. Yeah. And this, this is post-World War II. Um, and... What I remember a lot from not World War Two, I, I wasn't there, but from learning about World War Two propaganda in school, mm. particularly from a British perspective, um, it involved the idea that women were keeping the home fires burning. Yeah, they were keeping Britain good and mm. digging for victory and all that stuff, whilst the the, the their men were out at war. They were keeping everything together at home. Yeah. Um, and it's it's still that idea of these two women trying to keep everything together at home. Mm -hmm. But what happens when their men don't return? Yeah. And it's just a quote from the Criterion. Um, they said, well, while Build is one of Japan, uh, Japan's best horror films, much of the terror of Onibaba is rooted in the evils we're capable of rather than external spirits or demons. Mm. Which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Because now we, we sit here in 2022, and if we said to anyone, name me a Japanese horror film or a J-horror film, you know, the majority of the time, it's going to be something supernatural. You yeah. know, you think The Ring. The Ring was the one that took the world by storm. Mm -hmm. That Japanese horror and so much of Japanese horror is embedded in the supernatural, which is fantastic. Yeah. Some amazing films come from that. It's interesting that this is a film that plays out almost supernatural, but isn't. Yeah. It's about the horrors of humanity and the horrors of human and the horrors of just living day to day. Yeah. <laughs> which I know sounds really downbeat, but, you know, it's a horror film. It's allowed to be downbeat. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just thought there was some really interesting the themes world. in there. Yeah, Re really interesting themes. Um, really, and it, it's there's lots of reading out there that I did, and and reading that I didn't have a chance to do. Um, so it's really it, it's a film you can really sink your teeth into. Yeah, really. Should we get to the awards? Yes, yes. Sorry, first oh, long enough. <laughs> we have uh, biggest queen. Who's your biggest queen? Kichi's mother. I went for the younger woman. Mm. Um, it was it was uh, the older woman for the most part of the film, right up until she just went way too far and got a fucking mask stuck on her face. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. For me, the younger woman, it, although there's not a lot interesting about her, it's just the lengths that she goes to to get a bit of dick and how she just does not stop. Um, you know. She knows what she wants and she just keeps going for it. Yeah, I mean, it's queen behaviour. You know, she knows what she wants. She goes for it. She's the image of the liberated youth, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd put Kichi's moment because I actually found her quite sympathetic. Yeah. Um, I felt a bit sorry for her and, 
you know, she also kind of did what she wanted. Yeah. It was it was a mistake though. Yeah. It was it was a mistake. <laughs> Biggest gasp, um I mean I don't know if there is any other answer. It for me it's the arrival of the samurai with the Hanya mask. Yeah. Yeah. Well I put the reveal of Kichi's mother's deformed face. Okay. Once the mask's broken off. Yeah. Um both both similar. I mean the mask yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. Is, is gasp worthy, but I thought her deformed face as well. You know, it's. It, yeah. Best dialogue I have lazy bastard enjoying his nap by the older woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I put, I'm not a demon, I'm a human being, which I think encapsulates a lot of the themes of the film. Yeah. And um, for that's camp, I have the older woman walking around with a one tit out trying to cock block Hatchie. One time. One t- <laughs> One tit uh, and cock blocking. Yeah, definitely, definitely camp. And for ratings, I give it ten cock blocking horny mother in laws out of ten. <laughs> and I give it ten stormy railings out of ten. Um, <laughs> masterpiece, trash to be trash of basic is of course a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. It really is. It's it's messy. Yeah. It, it really is. It is it going to be for ev- absolutely everyone? No. If if you struggle with a slow burn. Then it might not be for you, no. but that payoff in the end, yeah, totally, totally worth any boredom that may come beforehand. If if you're not that way yeah. inclined, uh, it's available on Blu-ray, video on demand, and the BFI player currently. Uh, and if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Current Echo. I also think you should check out Current Echo, a director's more supernatural tale of women during wartime. Mm. Um. But yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Really, really fantastic. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. Um, fully recommend. I think it's great. I think the images are fantastic. I wish they'd released the soundtrack. I just, I loved, loved it. Loved it all. Yeah. Loved it all. Uh, if you're also a fan of Onibaba, let us know on social media with Horacle Trash Offer on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. No, we're Horacle Trash on Twitter, but we're Horacle Trash over on everything else. What the fuck are we? And we are, uh, I am DeadEyeGaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. And I'm ChrisBarker823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. Give us a rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, like and follow on everything else. Give us a follow on Spotify and a rating. Next week, Halloween Classics continues with yet another masterpiece we will be discussing and diving deep into the exorcist <laughs> diving deep into the exorcist well not literally that's one side i'll never mm. <laughs> yeah yes. obviously well what can i say that hasn't already been said about well hopefully a lot i mean and we've got a whole amaz- episode to and film. how amazing <laughs> the exorcist is but we'll have a lot to say next yes. week yes so we will see you well we won't we won't see you i mean you know you'll hear us We'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye.